opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Communications, staff, management, or advertisers. Activist Radio is on the air. You have tuned in to the Mark Harrington Show, sponsored by Created Equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders to take on the culture of death and win. You don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. It does come out in one piece. It comes out in one piece. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. And now, here's Mark. Well, folks, it's getting kind of crazy out there. I'm telling you that. It seems to me that almost everybody, if you oppose the liberal agenda, if you oppose the pro-abortion agenda, you're a racist, you're a white supremacist, uh, you're, you're everything you could imagine being called on, in the book. That's what's happened to our politics here in America. And uh, something I want to talk about today on the Mark Harrington Show is are pro-lifers white supremacists? And we hear that word being thrown about now as it relates to this whole shooting thing in El Paso and Dayton, Ohio. Instead of debating the issues of gun control or parenting or whether the country is off the cliff morally, how we're raising our children, uh, those kinds of video games or whatever like that, instead of having that conversation, what are we talking about? Whether Donald Trump's a white supremacist? I mean, seriously, really. Uh, that's what's happened, unfortunately, to our politics today, the discourse, the so-called debate on issues today. We don't debate issues anymore. We just call each other's names. We just make up stuff as we go along. So I want to talk about that today on the Mark Harrington Show. Also, I'm going to get into some of these hard cases uh, regarding abortion. The reason for that is uh, we often don't hear a logical, you know, thought out, systematic approach to the abortion issue. We hear a lot of ad hominem, a lot of attacks, personal attacks on people who support uh, defending preborn babies and so forth. So I, I'm going to I'm going to counter this whole thing that's going on about calling people names. Uh, racist, white supremacists, with actual logical arguments for our case. Because when it, all is said and done, that's what's going to win the day. Logical arguments supporting our position. I still have faith in the American people that they actually want to find out the truth. They're not just mind-numb robots listening to the mainstream media, parroting these talking points from the left, attacking the president, everybody else who opposes this uh, agenda of the so-called progressives and the abortionists. I believe we can still win this debate, uh, but we've got to set the terms. We've got to be able to argue our case in the public square. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit in about the middle of the program, go over some of the hard cases that we hear in support of abortion so that you can walk away with a few things for your toolbox. But I wanted to start out the program to talk about this whole issue of white supremacy. You know, we've heard people accusing Donald Trump of that uh, erroneously. I don't think there's any indication that the man is a white supremacist. It doesn't matter. You cast these dispersions, you label somebody, and then it shuts down debate. And that's all they want to do. They're catering towards a particular 
base of their party, a segment of their base in order to gin it up for the 2020 elections. That's the whole point of this thing. They don't really want to engage on the issues and, and neither do those who support abortion. They don't want to engage on the issue either. They'd rather also attack people's character and just name call. Because once you label somebody a racist, once you label somebody a white supremacist or what have you, uh, the debate's over because nobody's going to listen to anybody that's that type of person, right? That's their logic. Uh, it's a strategy. It's a strategy that I guess at some level does work for them. The reason I'm bringing this up is because Lawrence Tribe, who's a longtime pro-abortion advocate and a quote-unquote constitutional law professor at Harvard, you know what that looks like, probably, but he's been a longtime supporter of abortion, and he, he came out this week and he wrote a post on Twitter uh, about racism and the opposition to abortion. And he basically said, in so many words, that pro-lifers are white supremacists. He's jumping on the bandwagon, folks. I mean, everybody's a white supremacist nowadays, I guess, if you oppose the progressive socialist agenda in America. And he said this, quote, in his Twitter post, quote, white supremacists oppose abortion because they fear it will reduce the number of white infants and thus contribute to what they fear as non-white replacements. And then he said, never underestimate the way these issues and agendas are linked. Well, okay, here we go. You know, it's not bad enough that a conservative, every conservative Christian is a white supremacist and racist. Donald Trump's a racist. If you oppose illegal immigration, you're a racist. Uh, if you're for uh, protecting our borders, you're a racist. I mean, if you speak to anybody or, uh, you know, go against anyone of color, if you have a different point of view of them, you're a racist. So why not throw the race card, the white supremacist card in when it comes to abortion? Well, you know, this tactic of attacking the person by labeling them a white supremacist is what uh, I would suggest to you is a lazy, lazy top uh, uh, approach. It's a lazy approach. It's easy to do. Uh, it's hard, on the other hand, to, to make a substantive uh, uh, defense, substantively engaging on the issue. That takes work. It takes research. It takes planning thoughtfully to present your position. Uh, and that's what we do at Created Equal. We, we defend the position logically, philosophically, uh, with, with those arguments, scientifically, biologically, and also with, uh, with Scripture. So we cover the whole gamut. But the other side doesn't do that. They just try to shut you down by calling you names. Uh, this is what former President Bill Clinton referred to as the politics of personal destruction. Politics of personal destruction. Well, you know, it's funny. Bill Clinton was the was the master of the politics of personal destruction. And so is his wife, Hillary, and the entire Democrat Party. By the way, it's bipartisan. Both sides do it. But the idea is if you can tear somebody down, then, you, you know, nobody's going to listen to their argument. And so this is what's happening on the abortion front. 
It takes intellectual rigor to defend the pro-life view. And it's a lot easier for those on the other side just to simply trash us and come against our character and so forth. And then people aren't going to listen because why? Because they have the mainstream media, the pop culture, and most of the institution of, of higher learning on their side. They know that these, uh, th these sectors of our culture, media, pop culture, and, and, and our institutions have their back so they can do anything they wish say anything they want, and they'll get defended. But we're not going to do that. We don't do that at Create Equal. We're not going to fall into that trap. First of all, it's not right to do it. Second of all, it doesn't work in the long run. The truth's going to prevail. So what I want to do here, I'm going to take a few minutes, and I'm not going to take the whole show about this, but I want to go into the history of abortion and the history primarily of Planned Parenthood. Who are the real white supremacists here? Uh, certainly it's not pro-lifers. It happens to be Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. And to start out, what I want to do, I'm going to play a clip. This is a clip of Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger was the founder of Planned Parenthood. She wrote a uh, periodical way back when in the 1920s and 30s called The Birth Control Review. And she was a eugenicist. She believed in eugenics. But Margaret Sanger, uh, was interviewed several times, and here's a clip talking about how she doesn't want any more babies. Go ahead and play that. Do you think we really ought to stop? Well, I suppose a subject like that is really so personal that it's entirely up to the parents to decide. But from my view, I believe that there should be no more babies. No more babies. Well, how would that work? I mean, I guess uh, human race would just die off, Margaret. This, these are the words of Margaret Singer. No more babies at all. Beyond that, she advocated for eugenics, eugenics. She called African-Americans human weeds. And she said, quote, we don't want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. See, she was for the extermination of African-Americans because she saw them as human weeds. We don't hear that much today, do we? Because the Planned Parenthood of today has disowned those words. They'll say, oh, that was long ago and far away. Margaret Sanger is a hero of women's rights. Uh, let's not pay attention to what she really believed. And so we have the Margaret Sanger Award, which was given to Hillary Clinton last year and so forth and so on. We have a bust of Margaret Sanger in the African-American uh, History Museum in the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. She's held up in high esteem, despite the fact that she was a eugenicist. She believed. In, uh, in weeding out the Negro, as she put it, the population. And the question is, is Planned Parenthood still racist? Are they still uh, involved in eugenics? And the answer, I would say, is yes. If you look at the numbers, you look at what they do, where they locate their abortion centers, it's clear that they are still targeting minorities. In fact, black Americans have a disproportionately high number of abortions. We, we know that according to the census data, African-Americans make up about 13% of the U.S. population, yet they contribute to 30% of all the abortion. Think about that. 30% of all abortions are performed on black women killing black babies, but they only account for 13% of the U.S. population. 
Uh, I'd say that's disproportionate. I'd say that's targeting, especially where you, if you look at where these uh, centers are located. African-American teenage abortion rates are more than twice as high as the national average. Twice as high. And here's a statistic for you. In New York City, the health department has reported that more black babies are aborted than are born in that city. Now, I could go on and on and on with the statistics about African-Americans and the, and the abortion rate. But the bottom line is this. Planned Parenthood today is fulfilling the vision of Margaret Sanger, the eugenicist. Margaret Sanger is a white supremacist. Planned Parenthood are white supremacists, disproportionately killing African-Americans. That's why abortion has been rightly named black genocide because it disproportionately targets African-Americans. So if anyone is a white supremacist, it's the abortion industry and primarily Planned Parenthood. So let's get our facts straight. Let's understand who Margaret Sanger was, who Planned Parenthood is, and what the abortion lobby is really all about. African-Americans are being killed at a disproportionate rate in comparison to white Americans. And uh, that, to me, right there, should tell you all you need to know. Now, I'd like to switch gears a little bit because I don't want to get go down this road too far. We've talked about it in the past, Planned Parenthood and the um, disproportionate rate of African-Americans being aborted and so forth and whether they are uh, involved in black genocide. What I want to do is just switch gears for a couple of minutes and give you a couple of arguments against the pro-abortion view. And I don't do this a whole lot on the program. I often just talk about current events, but I felt like it was necessary because what we hear so often is just this dispersion, the changing of the subject, the targeting of individuals based on character, name calling, ad hominem attacks and so forth. But we really don't get to the heart of the issue, which is what we're all about here at Created Equal. Uh, We have a presentation that we go around the country uh, giving to audiences, whether it be a church group, pro-life group, student group doesn't matter, uh, basically laying out the principles of the pro-life position. And in that, we deal with some of these hard cases. And so what I want to do here in the remaining minutes of the program is just deal with a couple of these hard cases. The ones you hear the other side throw out at pro-lifers often to try to win the argument. Now, of course, they generally aren't able to argue it very well, but this is what we often hear. So let's start out. We're going to try to do a couple of these. The first one is uh, what the the classic, the classic pro-choice argument is. What is that? And here it is in a nutshell. Basically, it goes like this. I'm personally opposed to abortion. That's what you'll hear often. But I don't think we should tell a woman what she should do with her own body. This is the classic pro-choice position. I'm personally opposed to abortion, but I don't think we should tell people what they should do with their own body. In other words, we shouldn't legislate against abortion. We shouldn't make it illegal. This is where we often hear the phrase or this, the, the, uh, the, the line from Planned Parenthood and others when they say, my body, my rights, and my choice, right? Keep your laws off my body. That's the classic pro-choice 
position. Now, if you just look at it and on its surface, we could say, well, of course we want people to have choice, but there's a difference between a preference choice and a moral choice. Preference choices are like the type of ice cream you might have or might like. I particularly like chocolate. I'm kind of old school, right? If someone likes vanilla or any other kind, that's all fine. It's a preference choice. It doesn't affect anybody. When we talk about moral choices, some choices are wrong, especially when it leads to the killing of an individual person. So what we need to answer is what is the unborn? What is being chosen? You understand the other side never brings up the issue of what is being chosen. They're chosen. They'll say, I'm pro-choice. But they never finish the sentence and say pro-choice on what? Right to choose what? And that's what we need to answer, right? To choose an abortion. Well, what is an abortion? Well, in order to answer that, we need to answer the question, what is the unborn? What is the unborn? If the unborn are human, then no reason for abortion is necessary. If the, the unborn, are, I'm sorry, if they're not human, then no reason for abortion is necessary. If they are human, then no uh, reason for abortion is adequate. Uh, it's it's murder, right? So if we answer the question that the unborn are human and divert, deserve rights of personhood, then this whole idea of the right to choice, right to being pro-choice or being pro-choice generally kind of falls down, doesn't it? And when someone says, I believe in the right to choose, I'll ask them right to choose what? what? And if they say I'm personally opposed to abortion, I'll ask them, well, why? Why are you personally opposed? And they'll say, well, I think that it's killing a human being. Oh, oh, I see. So you're saying you wouldn't personally kill a human being, but you think it's okay for another to do so. I get it. See, when someone says they're personally opposed, they usually have a reason. And generally, it's a moral reason. The other thing is, is that it's not their body. It's not their body. Unless they have four arms, four legs and two heads, it's not their body. There's a separate body growing inside their body in their uterus that is separate, complete, and unique. Uh, and we can prove that, right? Because if you took an egg and a sperm from black parents and implanted them, and artificially inseminated them into a white mother, guess what kind of baby you're going to have? You're going to have an African-American baby. What's that tell you? has nothing to do with a woman's body. You know, this is the classic argument that was used to uh, support slavery or de defend slavery. Stephen Douglas, in the 1858 debates, used this argument. He said he was personally opposed to slavery, but he thought the state should have the right to choose whether they wanted to be a slave state or not. Uh, what's the difference between that and the classic pro-choice position, you know? They would say it was their property. Pro-abortion advocates say it's their body. What's the difference? What's the difference? So the bottom line is that some choices are wrong, uh, that, that, that there, there is no absolute right to choose when it comes to uh, issues, especially issues of morality. So that's the classic pro-choice argument that they're personally opposed to abortion, but they don't believe anybody should be legislating against it. 
And of course, that's okay, and that'd be fine as long as it's not a moral choice that's being made. So that's number one. Number two, we often hear the argument that abortion should be legal in the cases of rape and incest. And this is one that pro-abortion advocates almost automatically gravitate to immediately. And why? Because it's the one that puts the pro-lifer in a tough position because we don't want to be seen as being cold-hearted, forcing a woman who's been raped into birthing a child. I mean, it, 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 it just looks bad. I mean, the optics, right? So the first thing we need to be clear on is that the perpetrator of rape needs to be brought to justice to the fullest extent of the law. And that we're for that, that the rapist, the main person who perpetrated the act of violence needs to be brought to justice. And that way, showing some empathy, some sympathy for the person that might have been raped. Often a woman who comes and asks you that question, what about rape? She might have been sexually abused herself. She might have been uh, raped herself. And therefore, we need to be very, very sympathetic to that situation, realizing it's very likely that she might have been involved in that. But when it comes to answering the question whether having an abortion in the case of rape or incest makes sense, we have to go back to the question of what is the unborn. And if the unborn are human, then no justification for abortion is is adequate, period. It doesn't matter the circumstances in which the preborn were conceived. Um, And we need to understand that that baby is still human. That baby still deserves rights of personhood protected in law, regardless of how they were brought into the world, whether it was through an act of love or through an act of violence. It has nothing to do with the child. The child does not deserve a death sentence for the actions of the parent. We need to understand that. Also, abortion in the case of rape does not unrape a woman. In fact, it makes it worse in many regards because abortion is an act of violence against a woman. If you've ever watched an abortion video, which you can by going to our website at createdequal.org, you can see it right before your eyes. You can tell that it's also an act of violence, not just towards a baby, but towards the woman themselves. And we shouldn't be punishing the baby for the for the actions of the, the perpetrator. Now, also keep in mind, you know, there's uh, there are countries in uh, some of the Muslim countries, especially in Jordan. Women who are raped are often sold into prostitution and sometimes killed in what they call honor killings, honor killings, because they don't want the shame of the rape to come against the family name. So what the parents and the family might do is actually kill a child who has been raped in these Muslim countries, and they call them honor killings. And we should all look at that in horror, of course. But see, we almost do the same thing in America. In order to cover up the shame of rape, what we do? We kill the baby to get rid of the evidence, right? Um, It's not much different than what we see in countries like India and some of the Muslim countries where they have honor killings. See, the issue on rape is our attitudes towards the victim. Um, We need to embrace the victim. Come 
beside the victim and help them and support them through this situation and explain to them that an abortion is not going to solve their rape. It's not going to get rid of the memory of the rape, the memory of the perpetrator of the rape. It's only going to complicate it because now you've not only been raped, but you're going to now, which you had no control over whatsoever, nothing to do with. But now you're going to worsen that by actually perpetrating an, an act of violence against a baby who had nothing to do with the the first act of violence, which was the rape itself. So uh, abortion in the situations of rape makes no sense whatsoever because the unborn are still human. And that's why many of the pieces of legislation that are being passed nowadays do not include a rape or incest uh, exception, thankfully. So anyway, I wanted to take the time today to kind of wrap this up and uh, make it clear that uh, it's not pro-lifers who are white supremacists. It's been Planned Parenthood in the abortion lobby. They're the ones targeting African-Americans for killing on a wholesale scale. And I wanted to just talk also about these hard cases. So you've been listening to your radio activists on the Mark Harrington Show. Go to markharrington.org. And to find out more, go to createdequal.org. You're going to find out about our pro-life ministry. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil, evil plague in America, call Created Equal at 614-269-7808, 614-269-7808, or go online to createdequal.net, createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to The Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.